one thing we didn't do uh we usually do is talk about the track um not a whole lot to do there i thought this was probably the best track layout that they've had since coming back from the break yeah it was definitely the best best track i mean if you if you talk about it so the way that i define a best track is uh a good track anyways is it allows for passing opportunities and it doesn't put the riders at risk and this did both of those things yeah so exactly it's it's what you want from a track now do i think it's like blowing it didn't blow me away with its incredibly intuitive original no it was it was a good solid supercross track right which is for, for what's been going on and what we've seen for the past few weeks a stark upgrade <laughs> yeah i mean the the salt lake city courses uh their their tracks have this is, I think this is the first one that's had both of those things that I just mentioned. Yeah. It had safety and safety and passing opportunities. Yeah, they've either been one line or you know just taking riders out left and right. Actually, no, I take that back. One of the mud races had actually a really good track that probably would have been great. I think it was the first mud race. Yeah, I I refused to go one way or the other on that because it ended up being a mud race and i mean it was interesting enough because it was a mud race right, right. It was, you know we got one cool fun but um i'm not gonna it's just so tough to tell yeah um when it comes to that so i mean it just it's something moving you know as we look at is salt lake city going to get the finale moving forward again we've talked about don't I judge so don't judge so. them on this because it's they just they deserve it. They deserve it. They've paid for it. This should not count. You know no. what I mean for 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 getting it. So, um, and, and again, if you're looking at it, going, oh, this is what we have to look forward to for the net. No, they 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 tried to cram eight rounds, seven rounds, whatever it was, into a few week period yeah. um, with no fans, no fanfare. Like they just, this is not how you judge how Salt Lake City is going to handle this. And I think they absolutely need another shot next year. Yeah, I mean, you've got. How how many rounds were there? It was six rounds. Seven. Seven. It was seven a, rounds it, yeah, crammed Sunday, into three weeks. Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. And and you, somebody handed, freaking Ricky construction paper and crayons and said make make seven make a bunch <laughs> of <laughs> tracks <laughs> right <laughs> and and this is what we got yeah um at least the finale was good though and I think they, the they probably was good. like purposely looked at it and said listen. We do not want a crappy track design costing somebody a championship. If you're going to lose the championship, it should be because you lost the championship. Well, think about it. That the the finale was supposed to be there anyways. Right. So that track was probably already it designed. Might have already been designed for sure. So the other ones were probably just mosh posh. Just throw something out there. That makes a whole lot of sense. So Eli Tomac finally, finally, is a Supercross champion. Yep. What do you think this means for this sport moving forward? I think this is good for the sport for the exact same reasons. So Steve and I just talked for like, I I recorded and didn't tell him that I was recording <laughs> and we'll probably use it for bonus content at some point. But we were talking about how um, in MotoGP, there is a rider who is making historic movements and how good that is for that sport. I think you're getting the same thing in motocross and supercross with Tomac. He finally broke through the barrier with his supercross championship. He's going to be competing now for his fourth motocross. This will be four in a row. He'll be competing for his fourth motocross championship in a row. And then chances are next year he'll be competing for his second supercross championship in a row. 
And um, I think this just kind of broke down a barrier for him. And I expect the floodgates to be open. So that's kind of where I say it, right? I think that more more so than for anyone else to himself, Tomac proved he can handle the pressure. He can handle being in the lead. He, he can close it out as he did everything he needed to do in every single one of these seven rounds to close it out. Um I mean, despite Webb's best efforts, <laughs> you know, Tomac closed it out. And I know a lot of people are saying if Webb didn't go down earlier in the season, um, then we might be talking about something very, very different right now. But I also think Tomac would have had to push a little bit more, and he's capable of doing that. And I think he's proved he's capable of doing that. So also, part of being a champion is staying on two wheels. So yep. that, that Webb's crash counts whether you like it, it or not. It absolutely counts, uh, yep. So Eli earned this one. He yep. deserves this one. Um, good for him. And if he really did kind of open those floodgates for himself and prove to himself we can do it, I, I could see him winning another two or three in a row uh, in super, just Supercross. Never mind the outdoors right. that he already dominates. And now, keep this in mind. You know, I was talking about his age earlier. Um, Eli is going to be 28 in November. So he is... No spring chicken? He's Well, he's not old, though. I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he's now... Two, he's two years younger than Osborne, who is a rookie. So he's definitely got time. Uh, we were talking, we were doing a comparison between him and Ricky with with their championships. And Ricky had five Supercross, seven outdoor champions championships. So now I don't expect him to catch up to those. No. I, so numbers, here's the other thing, but, too. So you said he's 28. When did... He'll be 28 in November. Okay, so when did Dungey retire? He was 31, right? Um, I don't even think he was that old. I think he was in his 30s at least. And then Villapoto... Like, when, when, what is like a good retirement Villapoto was like 27. I know Villapoto was really, really young. When did Ricky retire? So Ryan Dungey will be 31 in December. Nah. So he was another one that retired really young. Yeah. Okay. All right, so then here's the question. How many more years can Eli be at the top of this before his age catches up to him? Ryan Villopoto will be 32 in August. Okay. And they've both been retired for... For years. Years. Well, Villopoto especially. I mean, Villopoto retired in, what, 20, oh, 2014, active right there. So he's been retired for six years. So he was 26 when he retired. That's insane. So then Ryan Dungey was 28 when he retired. So Tomac's age, like now. Yeah. Having also won a bunch of in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I guess what my question is, let's say, let's just pretend here hypothetically that Tomac now has opened his floodgates and just for the next however many years he wins how many in a row do you think he can win before his age catches up to him and other riders start catching up to him? Do you think that age is 32, 31, 32, 33, so the, 30? There's two questions there because I think the other riders catch up to him before his age does because there's so much young talent coming up right now. I guess it, it, I guess it depends on how long riders like Justin Cooper and the Lawrence brothers stay in the 250s, right? Um, they're going to be down there for a little while. Well, you got, you got Sexton coming up. Mm -hmm. um let's see what cnc rulo does 
if he can stay that's on two wheels. That's a good point. He was another one that was really up front a yeah. lot at the beginning of the season. Like immediately, as soon as he jumped up on so, the two, but I guess, on the 450. I, I guess that's my hypothetical, right? Let's just say that we just assume that Eli is the fastest rider on the track for for the time between now and when age does catch up to him. I'm just wondering what that age is. What do you think that is for a rider? I think he's got 20, to, to, to 2021, the end of 2021. You think that's it? I think that's like it. Like 30? Like he hits like thirty and or just before thirty and he's done. Yeah, and again, I don't even I don't even think it's about his age. I think it's about other riders hitting their peak I know. age. You're missing my hypothetical. Okay, my so my <laughs> my hypothetical would be yes. So he would be turning. Jeez, uh, what did I just say? So he's turning twenty eight in November. Yep. So he'll be turning twenty nine in November twenty twenty one. So twenty nine is my age okay see because i would i would give him another year or two after that before the age starts slowing him down um i think that you know we look at how long some of these riders have been able to stay in peak condition guys like reed and you know bubba stewart who pushed it and obviously age started to slow them down right um but it was you know mid 30s ish and eli is in phenomenal athletic shape you yep. know, he's an incredibly and in, in well-endured athlete so i feel like he can probably be the fastest rider on the track himself before age takes over until like at least 30 31 um before the age starts to slow him down that's kind of how i'm looking at it the reason i asked that hypothetical is if this did open some kind of floodgates for him that is potentially if he were to win the you know Supercross every year between now and Sick Hall at 31, he now has four. And then he's probably winning a few more outdoors in there. And you're probably putting him up there close to 10 um, right. total, which is getting really close to some of the best ever. Yep. And passing some of the best of ever. Of the best ever. Right. So I say that because... I think Eli has the potential to be one of the best ever. We've talked about this. The mm-hmm. Supercross Championship gives him a little bit of that clout. He needs more than one yep. to be in the best ever conversation. So my question was, I guess, how many he could potentially win before he's done, not including other riders that can throw a wrench in things, because I think he can elevate when those guys push him. Okay. Um, so my answer to your question on how many championships. I think he wins the outdoor this year. Mm-hmm. That puts him in four in a row. I think... I think there is a good chance that he will win another Supercross championship next year. So that, that would, would be give him, six that total. Would, that would be six total. And then if he wins a Supercross championship, there's probably a good chance he's going to win the outdoor championship. So I think when all is said and done, my prediction is Tomac ends with seven total championships. Now, I don't think it's because he slows down after that point. I think we have, and it's happened a couple of times over over the last 20 years, where there has been a change in, it's, it's almost generational lines, mm-hmm. where that generation changed. And the next generation, whether it was um, training, whether it was style, whatever the reasons were, the next generation just was better than the prior generation. Um I think that we are in the midst of that transition and Tomac is on the backside of that. And I think we have enough riders who are coming into that age and jumping up to the 450s within the next year or two that I think uh, Tomac's going to get lost in that shuffle 
after next year. So that's that is definitely another area. I think I disagree. I, on your premise, a hundred percent. I think the next generation of super talented riders is going to wipe the floor with with the Roxins, Tomax, Webbs, Andersons of the world. I absolutely agree. I think we disagree on how soon it's going to happen. Um, I, I just looking at how you know how long some of these riders stay in the two fifties to really hone their skills and develop their skills. A, a, a kid like Jet, he's he's got at least two or three years in the 250 before he can even think about going up agreed he's got so much maturing to do and now he's on the younger end of that i know uh justin cooper is another one that we haven't talked about much but we know he's another shining star uh i think adam i think actually adam siansurulo is the first one i think he's the first one of that next generation i i do sexton is number two i uh, yeah, I think you're right, but I don't know that we're at a point yet with those guys. Now, at Cianciarulo, we, we're going to have to wait to see. Yeah. Um, I think got has shown that he can keep up with these guys. I, he hasn't shown me that the next generation is going to wipe the floor with these guys yet. I think we're waiting for some of the younger riders to see that. and that, So that's where I think the riders coming up right now are absolutely going to compete and throw wrenches and things 100%. I think the riders just behind them are the ones that are going to completely change this sport. Okay, so so who do you think? Is Sexton number one then? Sexton might be the first. Um, I don't know he's coming up this year. But again, I'm looking even younger. I'm looking at the Justin Coopers and the Lawrence brothers. I'm looking at... Well, Sexton and, and Justin Cooper are the same age. Right, but Justin isn't moving up yet. Okay. So... so all right, hang on. I'm just looking at... So, Cooper Webb is actually going to be 25 in November. I'm just looking at ages here to see where the delineation is. I mean, look, it's an, it's an arbitrary delineation for me. Like, it is. I, you know, we're trying to put numbers on it. I just... I think where, where we're disagreeing, it sounds like, is just where does the next generation of... Where is the next jump in talent as far as generationally goes? Because we agree that that's kind of how it's been happening, right? Um, you know, the Villapotos and Ryan Dungies were a jump from the previous generation, and then Tomac, Roxon, Webb—they're a jump from the previous from that generation. Um, where does that next one start? And I think we just, I guess, maybe disagree on where that next generation starts. Um, yes, I think so. so I'm, I'm which trying. is fine. What do you guys think, listeners? What are your do you guys think Sexton, Santarulo are the change, the beginning of the changing of the guard, or do you think we got another couple years like I do? Well, Santarulo is actually almost as old as just as uh, Cooper Webb, so mm-hmm. I think that kind of knocks him off for me. Though his racing style kind of falls in line, and and Cooper Webb is a hybrid. He's somewhere yeah, right, he's, he's right somewhere in right in between. Um, but you have Sexton, who's first, and Sexton could probably spend a couple more years on on two fifty just because of his age. Yeah. He's he's like just barely twenty, right? And I and that's why I wonder if maybe he should spend another couple of years on two fifty. I don't know. He's so he's so good. He's so good. I think that transition is a little bit tougher than a lot of people realize, though. I mean. There's been so many riders that have just dominated and had had really good 250 careers and then just could not make the transition. I don't know if it was the bike, if it was the pressure, if it was just the competition being elevated because you were talking about the cream of the crop. Um, 
I don't think it's a given that a rider who dominates in 250 is just going to go up and just immediately start coming. I mean, we saw it took Tomac a few years. Roxon was one of the few that did, right? He went up and immediately started winning races. At, right. At the, you know? And championships, um, too. Like, not even just races. Right. So, it's outdoors. He started winning championships. So, it can happen 100%, but uh, it just don't. It's not quite as given of, you know, hey, I was I dominated 250s. I'm going to go up and compete in 450s. It just doesn't always happen like that. Right. Um, so, you know, spending another year or two for Sexton might be good, might have been better for him in the 250 because of maturity, because of, you know, building some confidence and getting some experience under his belt before he jumps up. Now, look, I could be wrong. He could rocks in it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, there's, there's also some rules involved, too, with, like, the number of races that you win i don't know what those rules are though in uh in supercross maybe we'll have to check them out for next yeah because like i mean if, if you're familiar with amateur races as soon as you win a certain amount of races in in an amateur rank and i know that there's some sort of rule for this in supercross too i just don't know what i don't the know numbers are. spent like his entire career in the 250s right but it's wins <laughs> It's wins. Yeah, it's not he races. Competitive. He, he was competitive, but I, um, he wasn't like just cranking him off. And and Osborne wasn't dominant until his last couple of years, so he wasn't he wasn't forced to to move up until after he went on that run where he just right. won a few outdoor indoor championships in a row. Definitely some stuff we got to keep talking about. You know, as far as the future of the sport, um, I do still think Eli's got another couple of championships in him including that for me includes super crosses because i do think those those floodgates open so one two more are i think are 100 on the table i got three more i total got three or just super cross three more total yeah and so that's that's where i'm with you right i think he he gets like outdoor super cross outdoor outdoor i could see him winning two two, two more super cross though so i i would say three two four for me and three for you i think we're in the line there um now all right last question before we wrap this up uh, since it's we're talking about the champ Eli, if he does that, we'll go with four. Give, okay. give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say he wins the next two outdoor and indoor championships. Okay, that gives him eight, nine, seven, seven. Oh, so wait, so he's got four now. Then he wins outdoor, indoor, outdoor, indoor, eight, eight. So it gives him eight total championships. Does he deserve to be in the conversation for greatest ever if he does that? Um, yeah, he absolutely deserves to be in the conversation. Now. He's all—I mean, he's already on the list for wins. Um, he's up there for for total wins and starts and podiums and all this. Like, he's had a phenomenal career already. He just yep. hadn't been able to put it together. So, you talk about suddenly he wins eight championships. If that's the case, I, I mean, I think you have to start considering him as one of the greatest of all time. Now, obviously, that's a long way away. Right. And he's got to win those first. But it I also think- depends on the manner in which he wins those. Yeah, I think. Fair, hundred percent fair. I just think he's finally opened that door for himself with this with this Supercross championship. Yeah, uh, he's definitely. I think even just with this Supercross championship, he opens that conversation. The, I, yeah, I just think it's far less debatable. Yeah, like okay, maybe put him somewhere close to you know this area if we were to go through the list, which we could probably do at some point. Um, but like he's not he's not sitting here causing you and I to debate Ricky versus Bubba. Right, you know, <laughs> no, yeah, it's like, well, would Tomac? And actually, I think we we said that when we did do the debate between um, Ricky and 
and Bubba, where we actually did bring Tomac up in that conversation because there are certain days when those two are head up, heads up, and Tomac. Let here, here. Let me let me set the stage for you here. All right, we're at where would be a good setting? Hangtown. We're at Hangtown. Okay. You've got the two sides of the of the um, um, the gates set up. You've got Bubba right smack dab in the middle of the right side, and you've got Ricky smack dab in the middle on the left side. Gates drop. They go. They get around the first turn. Um, then Tomac rolls through the gate. They don't know that he's racing. Depending on that day, Tomac wins that race. Yeah, it's tough to argue, right? I, dude, he's a shark. He is a sh- especially outdoor, and I'm glad you put, you set it up outdoor because that changes that conversation right. completely. I think indoor still kind of remains to be seen. He has shown growth and maturity, but has he shown like best ever material? If he wins the next two Supercross championships, that becomes a conversation. Right. Outdoor wise, though, he is a shark. He lurks and he just strike. He is so smooth and fast. He is that combination of like awesome technique, but like blazing speed, like the kind of stuff like we used to see with Bubba, right? He used to just be blazing speed, but then he developed his technique and started dominating. Right. Like, it was ridiculous. And I think that's kind of what Tomac has. So I don't disagree with that statement at all. Um, but as far as, again, we've talked about pure speed, that's a conversation we can have. Best ever overall, just able to put it all together as a package, he's not quite there yet, right? Um, he needs to win a few more to do that. But, again, he's opened that door and congratulations to him. First of all, you already know I'm a huge fan of his. So I was really yeah. happy to see him close the door. I mean, uh, to close it down, lock it up, boom, win the championship. So hopefully for me as a fan, he can keep it going. And then actually, hopefully as a podcaster, uh, he can keep it going. So we can have that conversation yeah. at some point. And because when we do have conversations like that, when we're talking about historical figures in any type of sport, it makes the sport more intriguing for people who are just getting into the sport and that's something that you and i have been spending a lot of time talking about as far as bringing new viewers and fans into the sport so yeah the the better tomac does and the more championships he racks up the easier it's going to be for us to do what we want to do some of the best athletes ever have become household names for people who didn't even watch their sport yeah tom brady michael jordan lebron james uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky, like the, you can say these names Tiger to somebody, Woods. Tiger Woods, you can say these names to somebody who doesn't watch their sport. And be like, yeah, I know who that is. He's a, he's the football player, the basketball player, whatever it is. Um, this sport needs more of that. Villapoto could have been that. And he retired way too early. The, this, Villapoto could be going on like his 10th straight super cross <laughs> championship right now. I have no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, listen, I, for me, Villapoto is the Barry Sanders of, Absolutely. of Supercross. That is a That's perfect <laughs> comparison. Absolutely perfect comparison. Just way, way he too just, early retired. He so didn't, you can't call him didn't the even best. Ride, didn't even ride off into the sunset. Just rode off into lunchtime. <laughs> like, he would absolutely be like, holy crap, is this dude the best ever? But you can't even put him there because he didn't do it. Same with Barry Sanders. Barry would have been the greatest running back of all time. Can't do it because he retired too early. So, yeah. um, Thanks, Detroit Lions. Yeah, serious. That is absolutely their fault. Anyway, the point being, um, we haven't had a name like that since Bubba. 
Right. And, and because Villapoldo retired so early. Um, I would like Tomac to be that. He got a late start, but I still think he has that potential. Or at least carry that torch like the Ryans did until the next one does come right. through. So, um, we, need, we need characters, too. Roxon was getting there. Roxon was getting there. And he reverted he, a lot this year, though. Yeah, he did. Well, I mean, he's he's got a lot of other stuff that he's got to deal with, and I understand it. You know, he's he had the huge injuries. He's dealing with rehab. He's basically RoboCop at this point. Uh, he's just got a lot of <laughs> he's got a really lot of, he's got a lot of stuff to deal with. I man. think Anderson could have been that character if Anderson kept giving a crap. Yeah, you know. Um, I, again, I 100% stand by Anderson, won his Supercross championship, and said, okay, I did it. I reached the top step, and now I'm going to coast. <laughs> <laughs> and which, whatever, fine. But if he was still, like, pushing it and, like, top tier, top step level and still had that personality, I'd, lo- I'd love Jason Anderson because he is. He's that guy that, like, you don't know what's going to happen when someone tries to pass him or he makes a pass. It could be smooth. It could be fireworks. Right. And then, like, listening to him talk, ah, oh, dude, he's... Mooskin's coming back. Obviously, that was another that so, was another thing that I wanted to touch about. It's I like, in, miss hey, in Marvin. case you guys mm-hmm. forgot, there's a guy named Marvin Mooskin. I miss Marvin so much, and know so you, you know, as much as I'm a, I'm a Tomac fan, Marvin is my favorite rider. Um, and I was so disappointed because I thought this year could have been a year where he really pushed. And really, when you look at how close things were by the end, I think Marvin had a chance at this. I really do. You think so? I, I think he had a chance. I think he was at least probably pushing in this little gra- last group of races. I think he's at least pushing up there with Webb for for keeping it close. So I don't think Tomek was not winning it this year, let's be honest. But I think Marvin made it interesting if he stayed in. Marvin is by far my favorite interviewer. I will say that. Um, I don't know that he was competing. Sorry, I'm just looking up ages. I think the, I think the pressure was really going to be on him this year to push. He'll be with, 31 in December. With Cooper, um, with Cooper being a champ now and supposedly being the number two rider, and then kind of, I think the pressure was going to be on Marvin to really make some moves this year, and I think that would have propelled him. Um, and that could still be the case moving forward. Let's be honest. This is probably the this next calendar year outdoor indoor whatever is probably marvin's last real chance to like win a championship and yeah and then be able to ride off into the sunset so um i think he probably knows that and probably pushes so that's right we got marvin coming back soon is he coming back for outdoor i'm gonna have to look that up because i'm looking right now um injury update but you know the last time anybody's reported anything talks about knee rehab downtime from racing on um the last report I'm seeing is from April. Okay. So so we'll keep an eye on whether or not Marvin's going to be starting this outdoor season. I hope so. I mean, he's gotten a little bit of extra time yep. um, to, to rehab, and I think they were already planning on him coming back for outdoor, so maybe I hope so. That'd be pretty awesome. So let's talk about outdoor for, for a second here. Well, so quick, we're going to save most of the previews for for the week prior to, yeah, I think. I just, I just um, want to give... Uh, sure. Let's... let's Let's throw some some breadcrumbs out there so that they know what to expect. So we've got, if you didn't know, there's only two races for outdoor on the schedule right now. The first one being um, in Indiana, and uh, that is July 18th. And then the second one will be in Jacksonville, and that's on July 25th. Um, We are definitely going to do a preview episode the week leading up to that. Hey, 
are we going to switch back? So these are these are just normal weekend races again. So do you want to switch back to our... Hey, all right. So let's throw it out there. When do you guys want us to release these podcasts? So um, we've tried a couple of different things now. We've we've tried Wednesdays. Wow. Yeah, there goes Steve jumping out the window. What kind of bike is that? What kind of bike is that? Dude, it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's becoming kind of a problem. <laughs> so we've tried... We've now tried Wednesdays, and we've tried Mondays, and now we have tried Saturday mornings, which we're late on this week. Um, yeah, we tried Saturday morning by accident this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we oh, were recording gosh. on we were recording on Friday nights and and uploading on Saturday mornings. So our our three upload times have been Monday morning, Wednesday morning, and Saturday morning. This one's probably going to be Sunday morning. Um. So, what do you guys think? When do you guys want us to upload these these podcasts? When when do you have the best availability? Because I do know that there are quite a few of you who listen to these every single week, and I want to make sure that we are doing our part and making sure that you have the best chance to listen to them. Now, you got to keep in mind when the races are happening too. So, we are going back to a normal schedule. And yeah, I think the reason we had been doing. Uh, Monday morning uploads is that allowed us to watch the races on Saturday, yep. review, discuss, record on Sunday, and then upload on Monday. And right. I think it made the most sense for when those races were to happen. Um, uploading on Sunday would have to be, or yeah, being available on Sunday would have to be Sunday night because we have to record Sunday morning. I don't think we're going to be recording at two in the morning on Saturday after these races, especially the West Coast right. races. We would have to record Saturday night to have it up for Sunday morning. So just keep it in mind. I mean, that's the beauty of podcasts is that they're just there and you can listen to them whenever it's convenient for you. Um, just I, I feel like Monday is the earliest possible convenient time for everyone. So you want to just go back to Monday? Kind of. All right. I mean, we can still, look, if, if, if literally everybody else is like, nah, dude, do Wednesday. Okay. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> if the feedback says, like, it's overwhelming for a certain day, I'm, I'm willing to definitely open that. I just, that's the early, that's the soonest after a race we can upload. Right. Realistically. Right. Yeah. You know? and, and yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Unless we stay up till like four o'clock in the morning on Saturday on Saturday night. I mean, I can do that. I don't know how you'd handle that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm up that late sometimes anyway. <laughs> I so, am not. Actually, I wake with, up two not, hours after that. And say with work with works schedules changing and school schedules changing, uh, that's definitely far less likely to happen. So yeah, we no are doubt. recording Sunday mornings, and then I guess if you guys really wanted it Sunday afternoons, we could probably or Sunday evenings. Afternoons is still probably unrealistic with our schedules. Sunday evenings maybe at no, the very if, earliest, but if we get an er, if we got an early start on Sunday morning and we recorded and we were done by noon, I could have them I could have it uploaded by like two or three on Sundays. You guys are getting some behind the scenes. This is kind of cool. This is how, this is literally how Jesse and I talk about things. We just kind of yell at each other until we'd agree on something. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, no, no, it no, doesn't make sense. No, this doesn't make sense. All right, let's do it this way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the best, I think the best bet is just, just for everybody involved because back to recording on Sundays, uploading back, Mondays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there you guys go. We just worked it out behind the scenes, but live um, and recorded. So. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the drawing boards. Oh, man. So uh, next week, we'll want to do a outdoor outdoor season preview, like actual preview. Start talking about names. Start talking about... Um, yeah. What's the date next week? 
July. Oh, the fourth of July is a week from today. Okay. So, but if we're shifting back, we record we're Sunday morning, Sunday, the so fifth, and we'll upload on the sixth. Yep. And then, so how many how many episodes? Here's another drawing board conversation. How many episodes do we have before the first before the first outdoor race? It'd be two. Two episodes. It'd be two episodes. Okay. So we start preview outdoor previews next week. So what we can do is, you know what? Tell you what. Uh, next week we'll do a general season preview, outdoor season preview, and then the week following we'll preview specifically race one, the Ironman. Yeah. Um, and get a little bit more into detail. Maybe talk about track. Hopefully we can have a track preview by that point. <laughs> Um, I think and, there's a track preview already. So again, so perfect, and so we'll we'll make it a little bit more detailed. So yeah, <laughs> I think that's all I got, man. That checked off my last box. <sighs> Sorry, I was excited today, man. Just kind of, just we just kind of blew our podcast hey. load, <laughs> <laughs> and we we talked, you guys, we talked for like forty five minutes before we even started recording this podcast. So it was a talky day. Man. It was Holy a talky crap. day. Walkie talkie. Um, walkie talkie. Guys, hopefully we didn't ramble too much for you. Thank you, as always, for listening. 6,000 listens. 6,000. Unbelievable. Um, your support means everything because I'm going to be honest, if you guys hadn't been asking where we were, where we were, where we were during the break, I'm not sure it would have come back, but, you know, I didn't want to let you all down. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesse, I think he would have shed a tear. I um, Yeah, probably a couple tears. But, no, you guys' support is awesome. So thank you, as always, and we will talk to you all next week. Thanks. Peace.